Hello, my name is Ernie Vecchio, author, trauma psychologist, and mentor, inviting you to join me on the Heart is Compass podcast. As is always the case, the path forward is inward. I will see you on the inside. To go back to the disturbing presence idea, one of the reasons that presence is disturbing is because of beliefs not just yours, but the beliefs of others. Mm-hmm. And your, those belief systems, whatever they are, are just cul-de-sacs. You know, they're dead-end streets, these beliefs. And, and so you'll never get to a place of knowing presence. You can believe in presence yeah. and never know it. Mm-hmm. Have a direct experience of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It doesn't feel divine. It feels pure and it feels real. But to call it divine is to quantify it as being uh, that everything else that I experience in my life is not divine. You know, and that's where it all breaks down for me is that all of these belief systems come from the the person who doled out the beliefs. Here are the rules that make this work. And I know societies have to have all that. You know, we have to have order and structure of ego needs if I'm free, I'm going to break the rules. In the straitjacket, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But at some level, you're supposed to outgrow the need for that. That's the unfortunate part of, of the whole thing. And you're not going to talk anybody out of it. What Christians call uh, a born-again experience, the spiritual community arena now calls awakening. But both of them... And what comes after, there's a narcissistic flavor. This is what it feels like to be what I am, and this is what it feels like to emote what I have to become. Is uh, It really is a simple way of saying that, that the gap between those two, those two realities really is the psycho-spiritual void that I'm, that I'm talking about in the book. That, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It makes us susceptible to spiritual gravity. In other words, spiritual gravity is real. The ego is the dominant force in the culture by myth only, but not by fact. By fact, electromagnetically, the heart is more dominant force than it always has been. And so we're, we're caught in the gravitational field of the ego which is why presence is disturbing. Uh-huh. And um, it isn't pain-free to be present. Mm-mm. But it certainly is less painful and is it's a hiccup compared to, to real trauma. Mm. What I'm trying to say is that handling the disturbance of presence or the, or the disturbance that comes with presence is just, a drop of water compared to an ocean of suffering without it. Mm-hmm. The presence still isn't pain-free because of the personal collective ego. Mm-hmm. It's because it's always going to take us away from it. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you know that the Earth's going to still rotate around the sun, can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that rotation, we're going to age, can't stop that either. Mm-hmm. And so we have no control over time. Time continues to move forward as we as we sit in this presence. But what we can do is slow time down. And we slow it down by the more present we are. What creates the ocean of suffering for people? What I mean by that is, is that if you never achieve presence, you are only in an ocean of mm-hmm. suffering. Wow. 
never really understanding that you can be buoyant in that water, never understanding that the water and you are one and the same, never understanding that 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 you are a drop of something that is larger than you. I mean, so so in other words, it's it's a matter of perspective. It's like the fish that doesn't know it's in a bowl. You know, it would be quite depressed if it realized it was in a bowl. If you put that same fish in in, in an ocean and took it out of the bowl and then put it in the bowl, he'd have something to contrast it against. And like, no. wait a minute, a minute ago, I had no walls around my water, and now I've got walls around my water. A, a minute ago, I could swim to my heart's content. Now I can only swim to the other side of the bowl. <laughs> so, so it's relative to your experience. You can go from the bowl to the ocean, but you can't go from the ocean to the bowl. And literally, that's what we're struggling with. We come from an ocean and land in a bowl and forget that we came from an ocean. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. No parameters. We're free to swim in this ocean that is life. Uh, and, then, and then we come into the world and then and start to build cages and boxes and bowls which is just essentially to survive our life, we have to have these boundaries, these parameters, because we see that as security uh, at some level. And it's predictable. The human ego needs a predictable space, a predictable – I said one time, is I, is I got present, the circumference of my world, if I took a protractor and drew a circle around the circumference of my world in my 21 years of marriage – I put an X where the school was. I put an X where the grocery store was. I put an X where the bank was. I put an X where my job was. I put an X where I ran most of the time with my friends. But in the circumference of my world, it was pretty tiny. Mm -hmm. That was the entire circumference of my world. My world got bigger when I began to realize that I lived on a planet that was bigger than the circle I was in. Mm-hmm. And once I got a taste of the planet, I could never go back to the circle I was in. We create, like you were talking about the fish in the, the fish bowl, and that he doesn't realize until he swam in the ocean that there's, there's no walls there. Put him back in the fish bowl and there's walls. We don't realize that we create our own prisons. We create our own walls. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the illusion of security. In existential philosophy, they call that the cage of self-protection, mm. where the bars are made up of your beliefs and mm-hmm. your values and whatever. And then you and what you're supposed to do is collapse the cage every every time you make a shift, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to collapse that cage four times in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most people never get past the second cage. And of, and of course, the in the philosophy of existentialism, the there's a moat around the box, which essentially is full of alligators, and, and so which is really just symbolic of your fears. The whole theory behind existential philosophy is if you can remove the bars that cage you, walk through your fears very carefully, then on the other side is the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. But all you're really doing is just increasing the diameter of your cage. So let's say you start out and it's, you know, it's 12 by 12, and then you collapse it, and you create another one that's 24 by 24, then you collapse it, and the next one's 48 by 48. Mm-hmm. At some point, people get to what they think is, is freedom. It's just a bigger cage. The needle turns an arc. 
accomplished part Do you ever get the feeling It's pointing to the start Something so much bigger So much better Than us 